Hi everyone, welcome to the Reitzel Brothers Podcast. I'm Matt. And I'm Curtis. We are the co-hosts of this podcast. We are investor-focused realtors working with our clients to help them build massive wealth in real estate. This is a place where we talk about real estate investing, wealth, and giving back. Make sure to check us out on YouTube and join our private real estate investor group on Facebook called the Tri-City Real Estate Investor Club. Links are in the description. Enjoy this episode. Nothing better than getting a fresh haircut, yeah. honestly. Well, making potentially six hundred thousand is a little better than getting. A I, I don't think I think six hundred is pretty safe. It's the million that I that I want to make on. <laughs> I really want. I, I got to make a million dollars because then I get. Nobody wants to read a book. How I made nine hundred thousand dollars on a deal. <laughs> like they want. They want a mill. They want a mill. <laughs> they want a mill. All right. All right. All right. So. We are here with Kyle Ford. We just went through a few of the units here. We just went through uh, a model unit that's staged and ready to rock and roll. So thank you for taking us through this unit. I guess let's start off um, kind of, you know, what's your current focus now in relation to where you're at in this whole value add opportunity? So focus right now is uh, exterior of the building and leasing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, in terms of the flow of construction right now, we're flowing really, really well. Um, despite some hurdles which we'll talk about shortly um we're we're at a point right now where this thing is a well-oiled machine Mm -hmm. those units are coming together very very quickly um the exterior of the building still needs the decks ease troughs and siding Mm -hmm. to go on as well as the front step yeah um right now it's uh, the the exterior is affecting the leasing a little bit Mm -hmm. where people are not liking what they see before they even come to the unit Mm -hmm. and canceling showings right which is a problem so once that's once that's because once people get in here, they're like, "Oh my goodness, the exterior didn't look good, but this is beautiful." Right. So the, the, they just don't have the same vision that maybe the, mm-hmm. a real estate investor would. Mm-hmm. So um, once we get the exterior cleaned up, which is just a couple of weeks away, uh, and then we're we, we're also increasing our marketing strategy on on the leasing. Um, some of the things we talked about, we've named the building, yeah. our marketing package, we're getting some signage done. Preston Station. So, Preston Station, Preston that's right. Station right there, yeah, that's, that's right. what I'm saying, that's what I'm saying. So one of the, one of the biggest lessons that you've had here, you already touched on it, um, the, the you know, leasing up the units, and that's a good point, right? Because it's not, it's not that the exterior doesn't look good here, it's just it's not as good as it's going to be. And in comparison to inside, people drive by and they say, well, like, I, like, I don't even want to go in because if it looks like that, and then they come in here, and it's beautiful. But it's that's that's definitely um, yeah. It's the classic thing, you know. We've all we've all seen a, a new list, a new hot new listing yeah. come on the market, and the pictures look great. And then yeah. you get in there, and it's not so good. We're kind of in a little bit of that where they're looking at the pictures, and they look great, but then they drive by the exterior of the building, and they just assume that the pictures maybe aren't what they thought. Yeah. But as you can see, when you're in here, it really is beautiful. So. Like I said, we're only a couple weeks away. We just started our hallway today, so the hallway will be about a week. Even that is going to be a dramatic. Mm-hmm. So people walk in, it's they were looking at construction bins, trim, flooring, tile, it, uh, all the the, tr- the the casing isn't on yet. So mm-hmm. there's some challenges that we've had there, but uh, nonetheless, uh, like we're still getting great activity. We're getting lots of applications. We're getting mm-hmm. lots of people coming through. So so from from the beginning, you know, buying this property to where we are now and all the months in between, what's been, you know, beyond, because um, we already talked about that one example there, you know, of one, of one, you know, learning opportunity. I mean, like, what's another thing that, you know, you learned here or something that, you know, you, you kind of took away from this whole process that, that maybe, like, you didn't think about going into this? 
like a lesson learned or like a mistake or something? Um, cer- certainly, the, 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 I, I, I should have started the exterior sooner. That should have been more, more of a priority to me. Um, yeah. I guess I assumed that everybody had the same vision that I would, <laughs> that they would see how beautiful the interior is and be like, yeah, the exterior will be cleaned up just like this. Right. But so, uh, some of the tenants have come in and we've told them we're less than a month away from completion and they just don't believe us. Right. They're like, no, there's so much work to do here. Well, they just have, they, they, they're not at the same level of construction experience and it's not to be arrogant about it. It's just, we've done yeah. a lot about it, a lot of it now yeah. that we understand and we can see how quickly it's done. Mm-hmm. And they're, they, they question it. They're like, well, we don't want to live in renovations. Yeah. Well, you're starting your lease December 1 and for December 1 and it's about, it will be done about two weeks after that. Yeah. So not the end of the world here, yeah. right? And they're just, I guess, they, you know, they've been burned by a bad landlord before yeah. who promised things. So uh, I wish I would have um just accelerated the exterior stuff a little bit. Yeah. Because um, uh, I think that would be making a big difference in our leasing right now. No, and that's awesome. And I just want nice to say real quick, I, I really appreciate you being transparent about, you know, lessons learned and mistakes because we're, we're all going to make some mistakes. But the cool thing is this is a massive home run and what you have done here is amazing. Let's kind of switch into the other side here. What's one of the biggest successes that you've had from owning this property so far or one of the biggest things that, you know, you kind of take away that, yeah, you know, this property is awesome. I would say not even as much specifically in the property, yeah. uh, but more in my business and the construction process. This is the first time on any project I've ever done that I haven't filled up the back of my truck with uh, demo material. Mm. I haven't came in and ripped out a single carpet. I haven't done mm. any construction here whatsoever. And a lot of my other projects I've had to do things to make sure that everything worked together Mm -hmm. and with this project this is the first time i felt like a full-blown bona fide real estate investor who's the person running the project not working in the project yeah so that's been a pretty cool and and i think that i'm applying that to my mortgage business right now yeah that same type of concept i'm applying that to just just my general future goals outlook life yeah um just being in that more of that management role, counting on your team. So uh, it, it's been amazing the the people that I've had, the contractors that I've been working mm-hmm. with. My, my site supervisor Mike has been, you know, j- just been amazing for me. Yeah, uh, really somebody that I can count on. So. Yeah, it's it's cool. I mean, because yeah. a lot of investors they not to say that it's it's bad or wrong or whatever. You know, they kind of get stuck in doing all the renovations. And some people really enjoy it, and they you know enjoy getting their hands dirty. But it's it's cool kind of watching you you know, go from, yeah, I'm doing a lot of the renovations, you know, I'm loading up my truck with all the wood or, you know, materials, whatever, and now getting to a point where, you know what, you have a, you have an amazing team, you have an amazing, you know, GC, Mike, you mentioned, um, you, you just have, well, the onsite, whatever the term that you want to use for him, yeah. uh, just somebody running day to day here and making sure that everything's really going well. Um, you know, like where, like, where do you see this going in the next, like, five years as you continue to scale? Like, your goals and whatnot in the future? I definitely want to, you know, keep going with similar projects. Yeah. Uh, buying, you know, bu- buying buildings that that are looking that have deferred maintenance. I'm not, I'm not in the business of, you know, kicking people out of housing that doesn't need work just to, you know, put a coat of paint on. And yeah. this building was, you know, in this building was in rough, rough shape. Mm-hmm. This had major issues and major problems, and I think I, you know. 
I, I think the, the completed project on this is going to do amazing things for this neighborhood. Mm -hmm. It's a It's going to be a beautiful building. It's going to be an, an I, I, I like to say like an icon on the street. It's going to look yeah. great. So I think that's a, that's great for the community and great for the area. Um, and I want to continue to to grow in this. The other thing I want to I've already started doing is you know on my mortgage business is funding other investors, getting mm -hmm. other people who want to learn how to do this. Mm -hmm. I really, you know, I can only do so many of these in a year. So uh, I'm happy to work with other investors to help fund their deals mm -hmm. to, so they can do similar type of projects. Whether that's a duplex conversion yeah. or a 24 unit building, whatever that is for that person, just, you know, helping other people do, do this. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, I guess what's, you know, like what, like in this whole deal, like what's been the most exciting part, you know, kind mm -hmm. of getting into a property at this level um, and just, you know, such a hardcore value add. And it's not the discounted duplex conversion by any means, but when you're coming in and renovating, you know, from top to bottom, 10 units, like, I guess, what's been really exciting about that whole process for you? And was there a moment as well, uh, you know, kind of on the flip side where you kind of maybe questioned yourself at all and said, like, did I, did I go a little bit too far? Did I, you know, like you kind of started to have self-doubt? Because this is, this is for, for the average investor to do something like this, this is tough yeah. to arrange all, all of this, all, I mean, like all these professionals, all these renovations. Um, there was there a moment, I guess we'll touch on that one first. There was there a moment where you maybe like, you know, second guessing yourself at all or? Well, the first, when we first put the rental ad up, we made a mistake in the location was showing in Waterloo. Right. Not Cambridge. And it was crickets for like five days. And I was like, oh my goodness, so what right. you, like, I'm not going to get my rents. I'm not going to, like, if I don't get my rents. And, and we realized what happened, and we changed it, and instantly we were getting, like, four or five inquiries every single day. So there was, like, three or four nights where I was like, what did I do? Right. Like, we're, and at the end of the day, even if my rents were a couple hundred dollars less, we would still be okay. It would still be, it would still be a stand-up triple. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, it's still a great, great project. But there was a couple days there where I was pretty panicked. Um, about what's going on, but since then we've, we, we, like I said, we're already making, we made changes to our marketing, uh, to how we're advertising, mm -hmm. uh, some photos, um, as well as uh, we got the the location corrected, mm -hmm. which was a big one. Yeah. Um, so that was that was the biggest scary part, I suppose. Yeah. Um, when that happened, there's been other like we failed our first occupancy test. Mm -hmm. um, uh, there was a hallway in the basement that's under the the common corridor. And this hallway has been existent since 1960 when the building was built, so 70 years, without a sprinkler system. Mm -hmm. But now it's unsafe if there's no sprinkler system there. So it was never brought up the entire process, <laughs> and at the 11th hour, when, the, uh, when we, were, we were trying to get occupancy on the first unit, all of a sudden this was an issue. So I got a little freaked out there. What else are they... You know, we're, we're already well over our initial budget. Right. What other... And that was six grand mm -hmm. to put that sprinkler system in. What, what else are they going to find at the last minute? Right. So that was another, you know, what did I miss something else? Did, is there, is there going to be another major oops kind of thing? So <laughs> yeah, kind of like the, uh, um, I mean the fire system, right? Yeah. The, the $3,000 investment. Yeah. I, I mean, it is an investment, right? And it's, 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 I mean, like you mentioned before, the liability to make sure that you're covering also that, you know, tenants have a safe place to live. Right. That's right. Um, you know, the, when you were underwriting the rents from the beginning, uh, you were underwriting about nineteen and eighteen hundred, yeah, right? Yeah. And now you're you're probably going to be sitting at for the two beds. I mean, probably, obviously, until like leases are signed. First lease is being signed tomorrow. They're, they've 
they've, they've, they've gone to get their check tonight. Yeah. Uh, we're filling the paperwork out today. Yep. So the, the, the first lease is being signed tomorrow at 1850. Um, the, two bed. That's a two bed. Two bed. So the, the three bedrooms are for 2000 We We could have signed leases already. We, I could probably have this building close to full mm-hmm. already, just not the tenant profile we're looking for. Mm. We want to make sure that the people that are, are moving in here are going to stay here for a while. They're going to respect the place. They're not going to put eight people in a two-bedroom apartment, mm-hmm. which is something that we're that or a three-bedroom apartment, which is something that people are trying to do, and that that's their decision, that's their call. But that's not what we're looking for here. Yeah. So we've made the decision to to not lease those units yet mm-hmm. um, to make sure we get the right tenant profile. To me, it's about the, uh, you know, I have tr- several, uh, multiple triplexes. And in every single one of those triplexes, they're little communities. Mm-hmm. They, yeah. they, they fix each... Uh, I'll tell you a real funny story quick. Uh, I had a, a triplex that had a washer and dryer and with no coin on. And, they, and I was very clear that uh, as long as these are working, they're, they're not coin up. But once they die, they will, I'm, they're being switched to coin up. So the three tenants, when it died, didn't call me and went and bought a new one to replace it. So they could, and it ended up that one died pretty quick because they bought it cheap on Kijiji. Uh, but that's an example of the little community where they kind of take care of each other yeah. and, and everything yeah. along those lines. So it's very important to me that the, the, there is a common hallway in this building. Mm-hmm. These people are going to be living with each other. We don't want to be dealing with every tenant conflict, every noisy neighbor. We want to make sure the community gets along. So we got to make sure we're putting in the similar like-minded people mm-hmm. to make sure the building flows and or make sure everybody's happier. And I know that, I mean, I believe you mentioned property management. So you're using a company and working with them on, you know, helping to lease this building out, right? So I actually, uh, I own the company that's Cool. Leasing it out right cool. now. So I, I had another property manager taking uh, care of the building in the beginning. Great job. Nothing but great things to say about him. Uh, but going back to when I talked about the, the vision of my business and how I'm changing a little bit now to be more that investor, mm-hmm. uh, uh, that is the, the, the at top investor, yeah. I'm bringing the property management back in-house. Right. Um, to, to run. It just gives me a little bit more cost control. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not... There's a little bit... Sometimes... Sometimes there's cost variation that I'm a little bit concerned about. Yeah. Um, and I just, I, I want to be in control. You know, I'm a, I guess I'm a bit of a control freak yeah. in that sense. I want to be in control of my costs. I want to know what everything is on a monthly basis. I don't want to be bothered with every phone call, but I want to know my expenses when they come in, not being surprised at the end of the month. And I think a good property manager should do it like that, yeah. which is spare their uh, investor from hearing everything. I just realized that I, I'm not that guy. I want to know when the plumber went. Mm-hmm. I want to know that it's done and taken care of, yeah. but I want to know the next day what my invoice is. I want yeah. to know what my expenses are to see if I need to be making changes. So. Yeah, and, and to kind of, uh, I mean, I think, I think that's awesome because like you said, I mean, that's kind of the feeling and feedback that a lot of investors have when working with a third-party property management company. They might be amazing, whoever that company is that you're working with, but then all of a sudden at the end of the month, you have a $300 bill. And it's like, I mean, and a lot of times it's something that needed to be done. It's totally fair, but sometimes they don't hear about it. There's just not that communication. A lot of the times because that property management company is busy with other properties, so maybe they don't have time to fully explain everything, you having it all in-house, um, there's cost savings, which is massive, because then as you start to scale, right, you have the, like, you have the ability to cost save, but then you also have a bit of, like, a bit of tug too, right? I, a bit I, of pull. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I, I, I've noticed 
something that when I switch buildings over to property management, an outside party, the tenants seem to feel that they've got a new concierge service. Mm. And they're calling about things that they never called me about. Mm. And maybe that's the more boutique style of, you know, more self-managing or a little bit smaller of a shop mm-hmm. kind of thing. But when I'm switching over to the property management, I'm noticing that tenants who hadn't called me in three years are now all of a sudden calling every month or two. And I've done my verification to make sure it's not the property manager just throwing bills at me. Yeah. These are, but they're all of a sudden now more, they feel that they're, they, they're, they need to push more things through. So and maybe I don't have data to support that. Yeah. That's more just my feeling yeah. after a couple, couple months of mm-hmm. it. Um, but I'm, yeah, we're, we're taking a little bit more of a back in house, uh, keeping a little bit more control and then, um, uh, scaling the property management up to right now we only manage what we own yeah like no no other properties we do outside no at yeah. this point no maybe yeah. in the future yeah. uh, it's still a small team right now yeah so when I can get that when I can get I don't want to dump too much on to my my property manager right now mm-hmm. Wes I want to make sure that we have we're systemized and we're set up and we're running our buildings efficiently before we take on other buildings mm-hmm. and then at that point making sure Wes has some support so he can so it's not just him doing that was and was that always the plan for you like as you got in investment properties um and you know started to you know buy numerous properties was it always the thought that i'm gonna like i'm gonna build this in-house i'm gonna i'm gonna build my own property management business have it in-house or was that something that just kind of happened because of some issues that you were having with your other property management I have, there's four guys that I really look at as mentors to me. Uh, um, You're going to name me, right? <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, there's, uh, you know, there's two guys, uh, Ray and Alfonso. Um, they are wholeheartedly believe that you need to build your own property management company. You don't need to be the physical property manager, but you need to build the company, keep it in control, control your costs. Mm-hmm. Two other guys, uh, Paul and, and Simon, who's no longer with us, um, believed wholeheartedly you should never manage your properties you should always hire a property management company yeah so i've wrestled every single almost daily for the five years i've been in this business about and i flip-flop all the time Mm -hmm. about what i'm gonna do Mm -hmm. but i think that's going back to when i did this project and i saw what it's like to really be the true investor and hold yourself and 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 just manage the project i believe that the, the the owning the business has a lot more benefits as long as you can still create that distance where you're not the guy yeah you're not the man you're not like i don't want like i, I want to be able to walk into my building and the tenants not know who i am yeah yeah you know they, they can know that i work for the company but they don't need to know that i'm the owner of the building yeah right? yeah 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 that's awesome so in regards to um kind of wrapping this up but i want to talk about the numbers before we do before we just give some party advice for investors so if if it's too much to ask, if not, we can edit this part out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in regards to where you feel like um, you know the numbers are, in regards to the value add at the end, the after repair value. Uh, you know, what did you buy for? Kind of a breakdown of the numbers again. Obviously, if it's not super exact, that's cool. Uh, but just to kind of summarize, because we're getting close to the end of this, uh, you know, this project here. Yep. So I've done I've done some different content on this, and a couple of people have already reached already reached out to me and like your numbers have changed. Yeah. Well, my costs have gone up dramatically, and there's there's a, certainly some variables here. Yeah. So where we're sitting at right now is that we paid uh, after closing costs approximately one point three five for the building. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were into it for about 
350000 in interest and fees mm -hmm. uh, because we did the private money close, which we talked about yep. on the last one and all the. So I won't go too far down there. So that's 1.6. It looks like right now we're around, I think we're just shy of 500 uh, on actual renovation costs. Well, and I've gotten most of the um, projected invoices as well. And it looks like we're gonna land right around the 700 mark. Mm -hmm. So that's putting us at 2.4 million mm -hmm. that we're gonna be into this for. Um, in terms of value, so our gross income on the property is gonna be $225,000. Mm -hmm. We're into it for about 50,000 in expenses. Mm -hmm. So those expenses include uh, the taxes on the building, includes a vacancy allowance, mm -hmm. includes property management, repairs and maintenance, yeah. as well as lawn and snow as well. Yeah. Um, so about $50,000 worth of expenses, which put, puts our net operating income mm -hmm. at 175,000. Yeah. We bought this, I, I, I mess, it's either 46 or 49. One of, four, I think it was 46,000 when we bought it was the net operating income. So we almost quadrupled the net operating income in a year, which is pretty amazing. That's awesome. So if you use that 175 net operating income mm -hmm. at a 5.8 cap, mm -hmm. which is, you know, you guys are realtors in this area, you know, that's, that's very conservative, mm -hmm. gives us a value of $3 million. Mm -hmm. Into it for 2.4, value of $3 million. So then you take the 80%, if you were to get a new mortgage of 80%, that'd be 2.4. Pay off all of our private money, all of our construction grand, costs. 600 grand of built-in equity, yep. good to go. And we, and, we, and we have strong cash flow mm -hmm. at that number. Yep. So we're more, we're, I'm more of an equity investor. Now when I say I'm an equity investor, all my properties must cash flow. Mm -hmm. But you know, I don't need to replace my income from cash flow on properties. I more look to drive up equity mm -hmm. and pull capital back out. Yeah. Um, and as long as my property still debt services and produces some positive cash mm -hmm. flow, I have an income from my other from my mortgage business that I don't need the cash flow. So if we get uh, at a at a five cap, mm -hmm. so a five cap once again in this area, that's it's a very realistic number. We just we were looking at an eighteen unit building that just sold at four point seven three. Right? Yeah. yeah. So that's that's in the, the KWC area. Yeah. Um, so that sold at a 4.73 cap. Um, that, so sorry, at a five cap with 175, that equates to a value of 3.5 million. Mm -hmm. That's really where I, I believe the property should land. I believe that's the value of the property when we're done. Uh, in terms of what my I'm gonna ask for, uh, a little investor tip, appraisers are conservative. Uh, they almost never give you the number you ask for. Uh, there are comparable sales at a 4.6 cap in the area. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to request a 4.6 cap, mm -hmm. which equates to a value of 3.8 million. Right. Don't think I'm going to get that, but shoot for the moon land on the stars, right? Yeah. So I, I kind of want people to understand this part here. If everything, I mean, when all the numbers come in, it ends up at 2.4. And even if you were to refinance and you had that $3 million evaluation, then 80%, that's a 2.4 mortgage, pays everybody out. And uh, then you have a $2.4 million mortgage and you just have a cash flowing property that is nice, that's amazing. Um, I want people to understand how, you know, just how amazing that is. Because you, then you have no money in the deal, everybody's paid back, you have $600,000 in equity, yep. and you have an amazing property with amazing tenants that's, that's cash flow and that's, it's amazing. Like that's a home run. Yeah, I, I believe at the three million, the cash flow is around four to five grand a month. Yeah. At a $3 million value because the mortgage isn't that high. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, 
That's a fifty thousand dollar year income. Yeah, it's the average Canadian income, right? Mm-hmm. On one property, you can produce that in income. Like I said, I'm a little bit more of the mindset. I'd rather pull that capital out mm-hmm. and have a lower cash flow on the property, less money in the deal, still big go equity position. Yeah. Go buy more. Yeah. That's you know we're you know I'm I'm I turned thirty in March, so I'm still in the growth nice. phase of my life. Um, so I'm happy to. I, like I said, I'm not looking to replace the income on the property, looking to grow assets. Yeah. More, more importantly. And so. I remember, um, to kind of go back on one of the videos that like you said, what do you call it? The National Hip, hip Bank? Hip, hip, hip National Bank. So Hip National Bank. Hip, so hip. let's just talk about that real quick. So if yeah. we hit the million dollar evaluation, sadly, there'll be no money going into the Hip National Bank. Right. But then if we go like anything over three million, yeah. because that would then be proceeds to you guys, yeah. that just goes into Hip National Bank. Essentially, right? at the $3.5 million value, uh, 80% of that is $2.8 million. Yeah. So that's a one point one million dollar profit mm-hmm. on the deal, yeah. to you know, not not guaranteed. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. They, they, they want to make sure that's very clear. It's yeah, not these are projected sure. numbers. Uh, we're confident in them. We have data that supports these numbers, so it is projected. I want to make sure that's very clear. Uh, but it's a three point five million dollar value. At that value, eighty percent of that is a two point eight million dollar mortgage. Mm-hmm. In that scenario. Four hundred thousand dollars goes into Hip National Bank. Two point eight to two point four. Two point four thousand. Yeah, it goes into our pocket as profit. Hip National. Hip National, and then we still have a seven hundred thousand dollar equity position in the property. I think cash flow there it was is it pretty. It's I, I'd have to double check. I want to say between twelve or fifteen hundred bucks somewhere in that range. Yeah. Uh, a month. But keep it, that's all. That's that's having a vacancy allowance. It's having mm-hmm. a seven hundred fifty dollar a door. A year, so that's uh, that's seventy five hundred dollars a year. I have budgeted for repair and maintenance mm-hmm. on brand new units. Mm-hmm. Brand like everything is new. Brand new, yeah. So I still have my salon and snow. So that's in a different budget. Um, property management, like I said, I've got that in house now. Yeah. So we're still charging a fee, a fair market, a fair market value mm-hmm. from one business to the other. Mm-hmm. But I, I've been able to control that cost now. Mm-hmm. So um, that's. You know that that's really where we're targeting uh, in that. And, and to me, three million dollars is, is no question about it. Mm-hmm. We're, there's just there, there's no way it doesn't appraise there, which is a fantastic deal for us. Yeah. Uh, but I'm really going to be pushing to get that three point five mark because, like I said, nobody wants to read a book about how I've made nine hundred thousand on a year. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> it's got to be a million. Well, and, so. and at the end of the day, like if you're if you're able to, yeah, you know, on on monthly basis, the cash flow, you know, will drop, but you get to pull out. You're gonna have, I mean, more money pulled out. You're gonna be able to make, say, three to four hundred thousand dollars actual to you, and then all that built-in equity. It's kind of like, well, if you don't need that income, and you can go use that equity to go buy more deals, that's it. Just makes a lot of sense. So I've had this conversation with people before, and they say, why wouldn't you want that additional cash flow? And the part of the reason for me is because I'm doing other deals as well, but I'm also very well versed in private lending and what we can do there. 12% is the norm. You can get 12% on your money pretty consistently doing private lending. So to put that into perspective, if there's a four, if there's that difference between a 2.4 and a 2.8 mortgage is $30,000 a year in cash flow. Mm-hmm. I could if I pull that same $400,000 out of the property mm-hmm. and lend that at 12%, that's $48,000 a year. Yeah. Net $16,000 more. Yeah. So if I can borrow banks money at 3%, I'm going to pull as much of it as I can. Because even if I don't buy another property, I can lend that same money at 12% yeah. to other investors who are doing deals like this. So 
why why would I leave that money in the yeah. deal? It, yeah. To me, it's dormant capital and it's it's underutilized. Right. So. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, people will look at it and say, well, you're dropping cash flow from the building because you're pulling out more money. But then you look at it and say, well, yeah, I'm gonna be able to lend that money out, like in this example here, and you're actually gonna cash flow more because the money is sitting there, not yeah. doing anything, versus it's going out and yeah. you're lending it on deals. And it and, doesn't stay in Hip National Bank for very long. It goes in and it's right back out again. So but invested again. Invested. It's invested. invested again. Yeah, no no boats yet. <laughs> nope. <laughs> so when we buy in the first boat. Well, I'm looking at a boat business. <laughs> uh, there you go. More businesses. I More businesses. The boat rental business. So I just, I first and foremost, just want to, you know, thank you for your time here. This has been awesome. Uh, and as things, you know, come to a close on the renovations, we'd love to come back and, uh, you know, just do a final video with you and obviously more content just because people love you out there. Um, so I guess the last, the last question at the end of the day, what's one piece of advice or a few pieces of advice that you would leave for investors that are looking to do, I would say more value add properties. Like what's, what's one piece of advice that you could give them? Uh, you, you got, you, you, I, and I can't remember what I said last time, but you gotta, you gotta make a plan and you gotta stick with it. Yeah. The, the, there, the margin for error is, uh, you actually have room to make some mistakes in these deals. There's room, there's room for you to screw up, but you need to be able to plan, make a plan and stick with it because the most expensive thing is you changing your mind, mm -hmm. flip-flopping. You know, I mentioned downstairs, I had an idea near the end of this project to put in-law suites into the basement, mm -hmm. and I actually think it actually could have drove up our rent even more, which mm -hmm. some people think I'm crazy on, that's okay, but I, I believe it would have drove up our rent even more based on the number of multi-generational families that are looking to rent mm -hmm. these. Um, so, uh, and that was something that at the end, I could have, you know, took a swing at that, mm -hmm. but that could have affected my overall timeline. So the and costs and the cost, yep. the four most expensive words, um, were, you, you know, what we could, uh, you know, what we should do. Yeah. And, uh, I, I mentioned I had four mentors. I should actually make it five. Another guy, Matt, um, Matt, Matt says all the time, he flips a lot of houses. He says, uh, the, you need to make those four words not, you know, what we should do. You know what we could do next time? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Make your plan. Stick with your plan. Finish your project. I'm not saying if, if a good, if, if the ability to make a change throughout the project that doesn't affect timelines, doesn't majorly affect budgets, mm -hmm. if that comes up and it makes sense from an ROI, obviously take action. Right. But I'm saying don't, don't do a duplex conversion and then eight weeks into the renovation be like, hey... What if we made this a triplex? <laughs> right. <laughs> you got like stick that's, to the plan. Stick to point. the plan, yeah. right? So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we 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 had a plan from the beginning. Um, some changes came up along the way. Nothing major, but we stuck with that plan. We've been consistent with that plan, and that's made it uh, easy for my trades to be involved and active, and it's really been effective for us. That's awesome. Cool. Well, hey man, I really appreciate your time. I want to yeah. thank you again, uh, everybody. Like. Uh, smash the like button, subscribe to the channel. Kyle, I guess last question, when you start a YouTube channel? I, hopefully soon, <laughs> when this building's done, when this building's done, so. Cool, awesome. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. Kyle, thank you so much, man. Yeah, no problem. Appreciate it.